Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Loaded Balls and I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Kevin Walsh, ex-Slego, ex-Galway manager and of course three-time All-Ireland winner, uh, one minor, two senior Kevin, would that be right? It's correct, we'll start to forget because it's so long ago John, did you right? Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, thanks so much for, for um, coming on the, the, the coaching room series, it's, you know, it's great that um, a, a, a person like yourself that has such an illustrious career uh, took the time to, to, to come on and go through exactly what the state of coaching is at the minute, you know, how what your philosophy is, what your methodology is, and, you know, how to improve things. Because at the end of the day, is GA coaching where we want it to be? You know, this, this series, I think, has shown that there's still food for for a lot of information out there that, that people still don't understand. Yeah, I suppose, look, at your, your, no matter what area you live in, you're probably thinking you're doing the right thing. So, you know, we'll be talking again in five years' time and we'll be saying just how things have evolved again and just, you know, just talking a few words with yourself off air there as well. You know, looking back, I suppose, the 20 years, the 30 years, um, does it look like now? It, it certainly doesn't. Um, we'd probably tend to, to laud what was in the past and, you know, and, and there's a little bit of a, downgrading I suppose in a way of, of, of what's happening now when the game of football is kind of I suppose analysed to a degree but you know is it is it the analysing it's getting is it giving it a bad name or is the game of football as bad as actually some people are making it out to be and I suppose that's one thing I'd be honest with kind of fighting for is you know whatever the loudest mouths are the, are, are, are the areas that's kind of I suppose talking about the game on a, on a national um, arena you know I suppose it's not challenged and, and I suppose that's what the public then look at it and there's a perception of a poor, poor game but I, I challenge that you know I think things have moved on massively um, you know as well, we, 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 we love the man-to-man -man battle that was in the past but you know when you look back on it there was a lot of bad decision making to create that because now you know every, every cornerback has the skills the fullback has the skills your wing forwards are playing halfback your halfback are playing wing forward so it's moved around and so the game must evolve with it and I think it's probably it would be great you know that that you know, in particular, what's happening inside, inside the dressing rooms that we see every Sunday, if information could be shared. And that might just give an, a little bit different of, a, of an outlook on where football is at so that people can maybe start to think a little bit differently. And maybe then, you know, be, be, have a fair analysis of where the game is at now and where it was 20, 30 years ago that we're still talking about the brilliant game. So, yeah. and so I think it's just that's just very important. You know, we've involved in technology. We've involved in it with, with where they're running or rest recovery. But you know, it would be great if if the analysis could be evolving like that. Kevin, I, I, I um, read your book, The Invisible Game. Absolutely fascinating stuff, and, and I commend you for opening the, the the door a bit for people. You know, it's still a closed group of what's happening behind the scenes at county level. Um, you know, you, the emphasis on your book is a lot of. It should actually be called 79 to 1, I think, because that seems to be the this, this sort of theme going through every chapter. Like, you know, um, you know, one minute of every game, that's how long you have the ball for. And that's what you do with the other 79 or club football, 59 minutes. Like, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, I suppose maybe it's a different way of looking at things. I'm sure people out there do that anyway, but, you know, it's, it's, it's I suppose, to break it down rather than just saying, look, you've got to work hard off the ball. We're always being told after that's 30 years, but... What are we supposed to be doing? You know, it's fine saying working hard. Uh, where, do I, where do I run? Where's my biggest impact? You know, so I suppose that's where 
the coaching probably has value if you have somebody that has a lot of work put into this, uh, understanding the areas of the field, understanding the different types of pressures you apply on your opponents, be it an attack or, or, or defence. You know, we all talk about pressure, uh, the physical pressure in, in defence or marking space, but you know, how do we put pressure on people in attack as well? That could be an off-the-ball run, that could be screening off a man to get your, 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 your colleague free, it could be you know, um, holding your ground, boxing out and a ball is in the sky, all that type of stuff. That's all, I suppose, that's the visible stuff. That's where the name came from, John. I know you, you'd love it was, called, it was called 7-9-1. But I will give you this to your credit. 7-9-1 uh, was actually in the top three for calling the book, to be honest, you know. So, so you, you, you spotted that a mile away. Um, yeah, but I suppose, look, it's, it's, the skills, it's the skills off the ball. So as coaches, you know, how can we coach, even coach coaches, how to coach players how to impact a game when off the ball. And that's not all defence. That's attack. It's making the unselfish runs. You know, can we coach people to have three runners in the one area, maybe three or four seconds apart? You're pulling away that sweeper. You're pulling away the zone defence. You're making space. And then someone steps in the pocket and hits the ball over the bar. So, there's, there's, you know, you can bring that to a massive level if you get enough time with people. Um, but, you know, if you only get it started and getting ready for the next evolving, uh, you know, that, that, that's where it has to go to. So I think rather than saying, you know, oh, they're playing defence or playing attack or playing, you know, it's, it's up to the next man now to evolve and, and, and how do you break this down and how do you get better at that? And how do you, you know, my philosophy really is when you don't have the ball, you cover the space that matters and you put the physical pressure or, or whatever pressure you want to put on the opponent. Yeah. And when you, when you do have the ball, you break into your five lanes and you make space. So it's taking space and making space and then and put the skills inside in that. Yeah, the one quote in the, in the book is "space is king," and you know whenever you start to think about it, you know whenever you're as a defender, you're trying to take away space, and as a forward, you're trying to create space. So, you know, is it hard to coach that, Kevin? At, at you know, would it be easier at intercounty level than club level? Say, um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I know, I suppose maybe you may have more time together, so it may, it may come quicker. Uh, but again, you'll, you, you'll make time. And if that's in the book as well. You know, it's how do you use your time wisely? So you will make that time if you're, you know, if you're prepared. And I suppose the coaching side of it, it's the preparation of it. You're going to do your hour and 20 minutes in the field or hour and a half or whatever, whatever it is. It's your preparation building up to that. How do I get my best information together? And how do I translate or you know pass my message on in a good fashion where I'm actually getting through to people and then you've got to look at well what type of person am I dealing with here is it a guy it needs you know is it, is it a sticker carrot is it someone do you give out to somebody to get the message across or do you have to plumb us the way through so you got to look at individuals in and see well what, what am I playing with here and all you can do is get the best out of the players available to you even if you're system or your space taking or space making is is as good as you can almost get people they'll come to their max. It doesn't mean they're going to win all Ireland because they just mightn't have that, we'll say, the, 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 the special talent, we'll say, to bring. But all you can do is bring your players to that area as, as, as a group and see where you can take that. And I think if you get that right, you will always be in a place that you're consistently competing to win. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've never said we have to win. We always, you know, talk to our players and say that we're going to bring you to a position where we are consistently competing to win. Because you know, there's too much variance out there. There's, you know, you've you've a, a guy with a whistle who can do what he likes. You've got the wind and the weather that can do what he likes. You can you've got a bit of bad luck. You've, you know, 
you've got to take all those things on board. But all you can do is take your 15 or your six or seven subs or whatever is going to be uh, to a point where they're consistently competing to win. And that, that would be down to the coaching. And um, when did you get the thirst for coaching then? You had a, a, an illustrious career. Um, you know, as you say, you know, winning a minor and then going on to, to, to all Ireland's. You know, did that shape you then to say there's something missing here in, in Galway football or um, that I can change? Or was it always the plan that, that you were going to go into coaching? Um, I always had a desire to coach. Uh, I'm not so sure at what level. Um, I would have been coaching some kind of a team, whether it be basketball or football, I'd say from 1994 on. So it would have been right through, you know, even when I was with Galway and Sligo, I was continuously coaching basketball teams in the middle of that. And I suppose it kind of kept my, but there were the youth as well. So it kept me, I found it brilliant. I found it great to keep learning. I found it that you're dealing with the youth on a basketball court. You're dealing with the seniors on a football field. There's a four or five different variants around there. So, it would, you know, and sometimes the youth without even telling you, they'll actually show you stuff if you if you, if you if you look into it. And it might be the very simplest of, 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 of levels, but there's always something to be learned. But I suppose your question, did I think I could go, you know, when I finished up playing football with Galway, did I think I'd be going into Galway to change Galway? No. You know, I've what I knew was what I knew. I was I was I was, I was a player at, at county level. I was a coach at club level. Um, I suppose our coaching then days more or less consistent of, of the physical, physical, uh, a little bit of tactical. But I suppose where when when you know I got the opportunity to go to Sligo, uh, you know I suppose I was finding my way. And um, you know at that time the technology was starting to come in, and we started to video games and we started to analyze games and. I would have spent a lot of hours and, you know, trying to find ways and was taking different sports then onto, on, onto the field and looking at ways of improving, you know, to see making and taking a space. And, and, and then you look at the body positions, uh, your power, lowest power, you know, your leg back at 45 degrees to make sure that you're not pushed over. Because, you know, we spend hours and hours in a, in a, in a gym and we look well with the Popeye muscles and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes you see those guys sprawl on the ground and there's a reason for that. It's, you know, they just haven't been, the balance is poor. You know, when they come to tackle their, their chain is in front of their knees, the balance is gone, they're out on top of their toes. And we talk about giving targets to teams in of maybe 30 tackles in a game to show that they're working hard. We don't look at the 27 missed tackles because they've worked so hard. And you've set them a, you've set them a target and they get excited about the target and everything else goes out the window. And then you as a coach, that's what you're watching is just the tackles. I mean, if you hit your target, you think your team is doing well, but you need to look at everything. So if you look, then you see, yeah, we achieved our 30 tackles, maybe 35 today. We had 27 we missed. The gaps were open. Our space was taken by, 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 by the opposition and they hit us for 219. Mm -hmm. All coming from maybe a target you set without giving the players the tools, actually how to get a tackle, how to mark, how not to lose the balance and put a physical pressure on. So... You know, we we probably don't talk enough about the pressures. The physical pressure, you know, you've got your standing pressure, your nil pressure, you know, your coaxing pressure down the sidelines. You've got your chasing pressure when you think all oh, is lost, it's not lost. And you've got your closing pressure, how you get out to somebody quick enough to say, well, I'm going to stop the passing lane here at least, or the shooting lane. So you know, there's, there's probably loads of stuff. And I suppose when I was in Sligo at that point, did I know all about that? No, I didn't. Uh, but at the same time, you're always trying to evolve. So... Certainly when I got away from Sligo, or even half a June Sligo, I would be saying, to answer your question, 
yeah, if the Galway thing does come up, I will be changing or to try and bring a different mentality. And whenever you went in the Sligo, how you were received by the players, obviously, you know, with the Luster's career with Galway coming in, um, you know, were you received well? Did you have a team meeting, first of all, to, to introduce your 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 culture, your your values and that? Or how did you, how would you say, would you have changed anything as well going into Sligo? Um, I suppose going to Sligo, you know, it has its pluses, uh, being, being out of Durham County. I suppose it has its minuses then as well because it takes a while to find out, you know, who, who what players are what, what type of people in your backroom team. So it has that. As, it has that as well. So I suppose I felt I was received very well. Uh, I didn't know because it was the first time I'd done a job outside my county, but I wouldn't have felt that I wasn't received well. I felt I felt I was received well, and I suppose to answer a question about team meetings and stuff, yeah, of course we'd have met, but you know, I suppose it took time to find out what type of player you had. It took time to even I suppose build your own philosophy because of what type of player you had. And again, you know, if I was being honest, you know, would I even have thought at that time I had majorly had a philosophy? If I was to be honest, I'd probably say I, I even hadn't. You know, I had in my head, you know, I had certain things, but you know, I suppose you're finding your way along, and that's and that's part of being a first-time manager. So um, but all I can say on the Sligo part of things, it was it was I got a massive buy-in right the way through. And you know, looking back on it, and one of the reasons I was even when I when I had a look at the book when I finished, there's been a lot of uh, really good small wins in in this Lego. We got two kind of finals and the, the real hard way, and didn't get over the line. That's one of the biggest regrets, obviously, and beaten by a point and two points in both games, and could have won both games. And you know that, but then again, we had our Division Four, Division Three wins, and we had beaten Galway in the replay, beat them first time ever in Galway soil. We beat Mayo and Galway the, the same year. We won the the, the, the All Ireland um, Junior, and uh, with loads of small wins that Sligo didn't, didn't have before. They're little historic little things. So I'd be big into that because you know when you can turn to a group of players and even after having a bad day, which all teams do, you can say, "Well, hold on a second, lads. You've you've done this. No other Sligo team before has done this. So you're actually creating your own legacy and history as you go here." So I think these small wins are very very important to have for players. For them to understand, you know, and believe that they've done well, so you know the buy-in is stronger, and they actually want to keep going. So it's really important that feedback is given to players as well. A clap on the back, you know, we're all quite good at the kick in the arse now and again. I think the clap on the back is quite quite important as well. So you know, and it's, it can't be about, um, you know, because at the end of the at the end of the day, every team at some point will have lost a game, Bradford Ireland champions. So you're going to have a sad day in the dressing room every day. But, you know, if you look back and take the block, I don't even like taking one-year block. I like taking three to five-year blocks because you can really judge yourself on win ratio. You can you can actually talk about that and say, yeah, well, this is paying off. Or maybe this was a disaster. I should have changed. So when you can turn around to five, and I've done two five-year periods, and you can turn around and say, well, this is the win ratio. This is the importance of the games. This is the level we played at. Division was Division four, Division three, Division two, or Division one. That you can say, you know what, we came from here to over here. There's a little bit of, I suppose, satisfaction in that uh, when you see you've improved things. But I don't like to judge something on half a season or one season because you're setting yourself up for a fall. And, uh, you know, so I suppose, geez, I'm a long-winded way here to you at the minute, no, no, no. <laughs> John, to be honest with you. But that's that's kind of, you know, you've got to look at all those things. But, you know, to answer your question, I felt I was very well slightly, yeah. With the, with the, did your, um, how would you describe your leadership style, Kevin? And did it change then, um, you know, since you walked in from 
from Sligo, did you think um, this sort of manager, and did it evolve then whenever you sort of stepped away from Sligo then? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as time went on, and, you know, by, by getting in people around you that have been, you know, through the sports psychology and whatever level, you know, but may not be the, the, the greatest football brain in the world. I might not even be interested in, 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 football, in the football side of it. Uh, but you surround yourself with people like that who will challenge you. And I think that was one of the lucky parts from, 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 from me. Mick Toland there from Donegal, I brought him in. He'd been with the Galway team as a, as a rookie in 2001 as a young fella. It just turned out that he'd been out in Australia and spent three seasons out with, with three um, Aussie rules teams. He had come back. And uh, in 2006, 2007, and he just happened to contact me and, you know, we we, we, we met up and uh, I took him with me. And that was a blessing in disguise uh, to have him in because he challenged me. I didn't even know, you know, he challenged me in a way that I wasn't expected to be challenged. But I suppose he had that experience coming from the sport and from a professional organisation. So I was lucky in that perspective. And definitely that would have changed my mindset quite a bit because sometimes you go into these jobs you know what actual football is only a game of football I get them fit I, I know more than the rest of them there's nothing to be learned here I play at a top level and that's not the case I think you know and I've certainly found that out I suppose that's where the grow coach was, was you know so that's where our name came from um, on, on a website now where we're, we're, we're doing I really feel that coaches should be grown um, but I also feel that coaches should be open-minded and I feel that they should be challenged and sometimes uncomfortable but the only way you're going to learn because, but again, if you have a closed mind and you think you know everything, you know, you're, you're finished. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you're finished. You may be a lucky coach that might get a group of players that are just good enough to win anyways, but you want to, you want to improve them. So, you know, can you say, you know what, I brought them a massive level from last year and they were already champions. You know, I, I don't think you can. I think you've got to be able to measure some kind of improvement, but, you know, and again, that's what grow coach wants to do is we're trying to go to all clubs, regardless of level of age, that clubs can actually grow their own coaches. You know, if you look at, I'm not so sure about County Downer, I can, I can only talk for clubs that are in my own area and you're outside of my own county. Phone calls going left, right and centre. Can you get a coach from here? Do you get any coach? I think it's time we start growing our own coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think there's loads of people in every club probably don't feel confident, may not have the knowledge to start off and just don't want to put their head above, above the parapet. So, you know, I think, again, like, like I said about the players, if we can develop our own coaches, but give them the tools to be developed. Um, but you will grow coaches. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the game is improving, the players are improving. Because I know when you go to senior, you mentioned about senior level, unless you get a certain level of skills, you know, in at the, and I'm talking about 79 one here as much as because we're always kicking the ball, we're always doing the drills from the cones, we're always doing that. So that'll always be okay to a degree. It can always get better. Mm-hmm. But we forget the other mm-hmm. stuff, your balance, your visual awareness, your standing your pressures your footwork you know the, the your your head up your see see you know all that type of stuff that can be all done in warm-ups yeah. you know yeah. use your time wisely how do you do that you put it into warm-ups you put it into cool downs but you, and then you repeat repeat 10 or 15 minutes every night all of a sudden these young fellas you're not trying to change that when they come to senior, senior level and they, you know and i take it from me uh, having coached 10 years at senior level you, you know you're looking at players that come through who will be fine underage players but all you're looking at is the ball skills. And all of a sudden, they come into playing a good, well-set-up team. All they have is plan A. And plan B is out the window because they never had it. So plan A was good enough underage because they had that, how would I say, to, that talent to get by the first yard. But now your yard is gone. Where do you go to? So that is, you know, and then, 
if you have players with bad habits or only only plan A, you're decommissioning all that before you even get the new stuff taught. And in the psyche, the even what you've decommissioned under pressure will come out at certain stages because that's what they've always known. And, you know, and in fairness to Charlie Hussey, who worked with me as well, he always said, Kevin, if you wanted to describe somebody, just say very simply, you are what you repeatedly do. And that's what you are. So if you can get people at a young age repeating, repeating, repeating the better stuff, that's what they'll always repeat. And that's why I'd be very strong on grow coach. I'd be very strong on growing coaches, but not just getting them in coaching for the sake of, oh, I take the team. That's not enough for me because those players have to grow as well. Mm-hmm. And the, the Sligo players then, can, was your leadership, <clears throat> did you give them much power then to, for, to make decisions, to come up with their own culture, or did you have that culture uh, established before the ball was kicked? To a degree, we, we had a certain amount of culture, right? But I will say, I'll go back to Mick Toland again, like Jerry Hussey's leg as well. Our culture developed as we, went to, as we went in. So when I was challenged a bit more in the first six months, you know, I would say we were, start, we were definitely developing a culture. You know, there was training and time. There was, you know, the clock was put in there. The sprints were in there. The rest recovery was put in there. Probably stuff that was, was evolving. Definitely the physical fitness went really high. Starting to learning, you know, playing in front of stuff I knew myself. But that did evolve. That definitely evolved every time. So by the time we got to the third or fourth year in Sligo, because we're always developing our culture. And with the help of the guys I've mentioned to you, uh, Tommy Craddock, another great, 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 great man up there. Uh, we would certainly have, you know, our players on year three where they were empowered. Like maybe year two, we even had, you know, leadership groups. We'd have five or six leaders in, in a team and four or five or six players under them so that there's a conduit open between players and management. It wasn't all about, you know, going all going this way or rules going this way. It was about coming back. We wanted information back. We wanted people to talk to us. We wanted to talk to them. If, for instance, six in that group was just a shy person or didn't want to be a talk up at a team meeting or whatever it was, they had a conduit. If there's anything bothering them, it could be welfare. It could be player welfare at home. It could be something small. They might feel they didn't want to mention to us. But that conduit was there to empower the people to actually, you know, come. Because if better people gives us better players. So really important for us. And, you know, heading into three or three and four then, you know, it, the players did really take ownership, uh, massive ownership. You know, that that group scenario came in where everybody inside a group put pressure on themselves to be part of a culture. Uh, they would put pressure on themselves to agree something and carry it out. So that the minute everybody went on the pitch with this Lego jersey, and that one, I suppose it took, and it took me a lot of years to figure out one, one, one question. If I was to describe somebody I wanted on my team, it just took me a lot of years to say, you know, we've had so much stuff. I would say the one question, does he have my back? Mm-hmm. It's a simple question we hear about it, but if you break that down, he has it off the field, he has it on the field. In times of trouble, he's the first man that'll jump to you because he knows you've put everything you have into this. If there's a few players that, you know, Skyven or, you know, you want to call it that, they know when they hit the field, they don't really have their back and they, and they know they can go on without them. So, mm-hmm. That culture was driven by the players before we left, which was actually brilliant to see. Um, in the book, Kevin, there's, there's an interest in, um, you're talking about going back to Sligo for, for one more year. I'm surprised that, you know, you had a, a meeting with, with the players, first of all, to say, if you give us what, like, 
you know, do you want us back? Are you prepared to, to uh, put the shoulder to the wheel? Um, you know, to give that part of the players there already. And then for uh, Eamon O'Hara to walk away, obviously uh, you played against them. You know, did that hurt you as a person that, that Eamon felt, you know, he couldn't commit fully for, for that year? No, it didn't hurt me whatsoever. I mean, it was very clear because we were in the same situation ourselves. And whether it was right or wrong, you know, I'm, I was, you know, doing a, a two-hour, a two two-and-a-half-hour two and a half hour journey around the block every every, every day. Mm. Uh, we had been in two kind of finals. Uh, like I had done in Galway myself, and I spoke about, I've written in the book about this, where I would have done a new time diet. I, I just felt there was something special I needed to do that was different to all other years. And all the players would have thought that it would get you the extra percentage and uh, you know look enough the bounce of the ball and everything else but we did get over the line there so it was very very fresh in my head that you know we if we're going again we needed everybody to buy in and we needed and everybody had to want to buy in you know and there was absolutely no hassle whatsoever if and we made it very clear if the, if the numbers you know were too low from the current panel that we weren't interested in building new panels because we didn't have time and if it was, we, we, you know, we we're going to just step aside. We're, we're happy with, with a lot of years done, you know. Uh, but then it, nearly every player wanted to go and one or two decided that that they didn't want that. And they just, I suppose, the standards, the players that set at that time for them, uh, just they didn't want it. And that's and that's fair enough. Because we were very clear on that. If there was no animosity to anybody that wanted to step aside. But it was very clear that that would be the case if someone decided to step aside that they weren't going to come back in in, in, in February in regards to so that was, you know, that, that was the culture we had and that was the demands that the players and the management had and agreed with. So, you know, that's so they wouldn't hurt me in any shape or form. No. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, you know, it comes across in your book how how much of a, of a player's manager you are, you know, that open communication that you're wanting feedback from 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 players as well. Um, and obviously then it, it didn't work out the the end year for Sligo then that, that you wanted and you know how disappointing was that that you were leaving you know you built up such a such a good rapport with the players uh, it seemed to be going well but something in the background was 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 happening that you weren't happy with I suppose you know the the the, the final year and obviously again I've, I've said it in the book you know one of the there's there's a few disappointments obviously and there's a few high points so mm-hmm. that that would have been the London game obviously was it was it was it was a massive disappointment and. I suppose, you know, look, but and again, you, you know, you've got to, I suppose you've got to look at this and we're tradition and, and used to winning, you know, can carry over the lines when things aren't going well at the end of the day. I suppose we just didn't, weren't good enough on the day to go over the line. But I don't want to, because I'm fair to Paul Goggin at the, at the time in London, you know, they had good, very good players at the time. And I think they, they had actually drawn with Mayo the, the, the year before and should have beaten them and got beaten, got beaten an extra time. And, in that home game, and I said this early on about you need a bit of luck, you need this and that. I remember Pat Hughes hit the post and we had a three v one the last minute to win that game. We didn't do that, but you know that's that that's what happened. And I suppose maybe the run was going into its fifth year, and maybe that was all there was in that in, in that bunch. Because if you look back on it, as I said to you, you know we've had losing one of the finals. I think it was was coming. We would have had three massive pitch invasions, you know, and even the. And that was because we drew a Galway first, and you know, which was kind of wasn't expected. Then we beat Galway in replay, which certainly wasn't expected. And then we and we beat and we beat Mayo, which wasn't expected. How was how, so how, how was Galway? How was sorry? How did you feel beating Galway? How what was your psyche then? 
Ah, to be honest, look, I, I was there to a job and, and I was traveling up there, you know, I, I had a good few years put in and to be honest with you, you know, that was a, I have to say I felt good. I shouldn't be saying it, but I felt good. Only on the basis that, you know, you were you were at Sligo team at starting Division 4, playing a Galway team in Division 1. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sligo never ever beaten Galway in a replay after eight attempts and to beat them, you know, and then beat them in, in Galway the first time in history. So those are little the little wins. Obviously, you know, Galway is always Galway to me. But at that point, I was in another camp to do a job. And uh, to pull off a big, big victory like that was, was, was massive because I knew I know how hard the guys had worked. That's what we worked for. And if we came across Pats, you know, that, that's all we could we could do at the time. And uh but uh, you know, look at I I I enjoy the big wins in particular when you're when you're underdogs, you know. I yeah. suppose when you're expected to win, you lose, they're 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 the hard days. So that would have to be one of the, of the good days because of expectation levels are low. Cal, I just want to commend you on, on the book as well for the way it marries the two, your your personal life and growing up. Um, and also then the coaching and the insights into the coaching it's 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 very well read and you know it's 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 brilliant to see you know the struggles you had as a player even you know with the, with the injuries um you know you, you, you say in the book about not being managed as, as a young person as well that you were you know pillar to post you were playing different games trainings and all that there as well um you know what advice would you give to young fellas or ladies now um playing multiple sports, you know, and uh, would you recommend still, would you have done what you've done? I, I, I would, I would, uh, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I'd, be, I'd have been wrong. So, um, no, I wouldn't turn it back. Look at, I suppose, you, time has moved on again, like the evolving, you know. Would I recommend youngsters? Play? Absolutely. I would say youngsters should play all sports, you know. I suppose what has come into it now is, we're probably a lot smarter with rest recovery, the science behind it. Everybody, you know, every second person has a science degree, almost sports science degree as well. Even in the coaching, where we're coaching, geez, I was saying to myself, I better be right here. These boys have four years of study going into this. So, but like, I suppose, you know, no, I think it's often important people actually play as many sports as they can. Uh, I do think that we just need to protect ourselves with a little bit of smartness. I mean, look at I. It's different times. I, you know, reared on a, on a very small farm where there was a lot of hard work, and I suppose we were being built up since we we're four years of age because that's the way it was, and that's not there now. So physically, we'd have been strong enough, and I suppose even up against our older markers and opponents, we'd actually have held our own. But probably, probably didn't realise. I suppose was that the muscles and the bones hadn't probably gone grown into each other enough, and. I said, that, that wouldn't be happening what I'd done at the time and I don't think it should happen uh, but we're smarter but I do think people should play as many sports as they can and learn from it but just get to rest recovery and uh, bounce in and out because the amount of learning you do in all those sports is is, is, is is massive and also give yourself a chance to see well what do I like what am I good at what do I enjoy and you know as you get older start to step to one side because mm-hmm. it's funny that um, when I was reading that you didn't enjoy the basketball training as much because they were teaching you new skills that you like it didn't come natural like the footwork and that there as well and maybe the, the Gaelic was a bit easier so you sort of were attending the, the, the sway that way mm, yeah but I suppose again compared to now I mean in my house and in most houses here now you, you'll, you'll have a basketball when you're five or six years of age or bouncing on the drive or like I didn't see a basketball until I was 11 or 12 I didn't even see one so I suppose I was going straight from national school into a school that was 
had a new coach in and didn't have much tradition. Uh, a good group of players had happened to come in as a good group of athletes. And I suppose a, a basketball coach happened to be in her second year there as a teacher as well. And it just, that was the blend. But as I said, it was Mary Nihil. I suppose she challenged me in a way that I was getting away for years on the football field. I was so big, so tall, had a certain amount of talent, could walk through a lot of people underage and was enjoying that. All of a sudden, the reins were put on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to bring the ball the full into the court and just go for a layup. I was actually, you know, you're told to stop it up, slow down. And I suppose at the time, I wasn't actually enjoying it. I didn't, you know, we were hell for leather type of stuff. And, and um, it was difficult. And, you know, if you hadn't your hands up the whole time of defence clogging space, you were sitting on the bench. That was hard as well to take because you felt you were almost better than everybody else and you were sitting on the bench. So it taught me an awful lot at a very young age. But I did find, and I won't come to say that, found that first six months very, very difficult as to why I should be doing it. And again, maybe... Maybe as a coach, you know, the one thing you'd probably look at now that that probably would be uh, said to me a bit differently as to why it was done, or else maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe I was just too much of, a, too much of an ego up there that didn't let me listen, but I certainly didn't understand why I should do it at the time. So, yeah, but I learned a lot from that because, you know, and again, it's show, don't tell. Don't be, when I told them last Thursday night there to kick, not kick the ball out, or I told them last Thursday night to kick the ball their foot, you've got to do that on a repeat, repeat, repeat. And the coach is responsible for showing, not telling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nine, nine to one as you're getting your message across by, by showing instead of telling. So it's like everything else, you know, you, you, I've mentioned the book, you give a job to somebody outside your, in, your, in your own yard and tell them to do something. There's a good chance they might get, get half it wrong. Or if you go out and point it out, then let them work away at it. And, and like, it just makes a difference. And we've got to bring that, that, that to the, but then again, you've got to know how to do it before you go tell them. Because if you're telling the wrong thing, you're up shit creek. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Sligo, the door closed in Sligo, then you were you were um, appointed Galway manager. Um, what was your emotions whenever whenever that happened? And you know, as a family as well, what was it? What was it like for whenever you were you were appointed? I suppose um, <clears throat> both because of the record I had in Sligo, I, I would have felt there was a good record there. Um, and in particular in the, in, 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 in the Connacht side of things where we'd beaten all the bigger teams, um, I would have felt I probably would get my go at that time. So it wasn't a case of if I got it back in 2008 to be, I suppose, massive excitement and I suppose to be Zendry, because this is great. Um, without being cocky at the time, I suppose, if I felt I would get a go at it, it was kind of like a, like, a, like another job at that time. Um, and I wouldn't say I was. it was massive delight the first time I got it because, you know, I, I kind of, wasn't expecting that year to become available. Maybe another year out wouldn't wouldn't have been wouldn't would have been in my own head. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't rushing for it, but it came on board. And I suppose, you know, when I was in Sligo before, right, you know, there was one or two times muted for the Galway job and stuff, but that didn't happen because I was committed to those guys and they were committed to me. So, but obviously, it's a massive honour to, to 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 have your own county. It's a massive honour, and um, when it came. It came atop me, top of me kind of when I wasn't expecting it to be honest. So uh, I, I needed to prepare fairly, fairly quickly. And that was probably, if I knew six months previously, I suppose you, you just might have a bit more work done, you know. But look at it, it was massive, massive opportunity and a massive, a massive time we had with, with, with the guys in there. And uh, it was massive learning as well, which is most important. Um, 
high performance on how did you bring Galway then from uh you know they were, they were getting heavily beat by by Mayo at the time whenever you were you were coming in and then all of a sudden you know to be challenging Dublin for for division one leagues and you know winning kind of championships and that how would you describe high performance I'd say um behaviors with <clears throat> me um commitment I always think God when you've you know, people talk about, oh, this guy is a bad attitude or he's a good attitude and stuff. You know, attitude comes from belief, from, from, from value. Mm-hmm. So I always have a value, attitude, belief. Not attacking somebody with an attitude because if somebody can value something high enough, your attitude automatically comes. It's like if you want to go to the Galway races and you're looking forward to them, your value is high. Someone steps in the week before and says, Johnny, you're not going there. I have a job for you. You're, you're going to take care because you valued what you're going after here. Now your attitude is a little bit stink here because you're not, this isn't what you wanted. Mm-hmm. You don't believe it's the right thing. So if you can drive the value up high, the attitude will take care of itself. If the attitude is good, you start to build belief. So if you can get to that point, but how do you get people to value it? It's almost like, you know, you, you surround yourself with the best people that you can. You keep yourself being challenged yourself. You let people, including your players, but whichever way it is that they can challenge you as well, or at least get feedback. So all those type of things will drive a value because people want to be there. So if you if you value where you're going to, you're coming with a good attitude. So and then you put the tactical side on top of that, and you put your spacing. You put your five lanes and attackers against three in defence. You put your footwork in the basketball court or small areas and bring it up to here. You put your every drill and every session that has to be learning outcome, not just a physical pulling and dragging and players walking off I think that that's a great session because because you explore the intensity side mm-hmm. but if you break that down and just you know pulling jerseys around the neck and you'll be getting yellow carded that's the type of stuff you're going to bring to the pitch so now you had a great session you feel good about but you've actually gone backwards mm-hmm. so the, the, the coaching uh that your as i said your balance your footwork you're blocking out your spatial awareness your lanes your pressures that all takes time as well to just keep building those up. It's amazing how the value drives up because the players are doing something different and they see value in it. Mm-hmm. Now the attitude is good and players start to dictate after a certain amount of time because they want better from other players who may be lagging off. And if you can create that culture, you're still not guaranteed to win, but you're guaranteed if your players are reasonable that you'll put yourself in a position to win. Mm-hmm. And again, you might need a bit of luck on that. So every team needs luck, you know, so... That was kind of something that, but but again, my five years in Sligo was a massive help to learn all that for me. I needed loads of learnings. I still need loads of learnings. And I suppose one of the reasons I come out with this book and I put in Grow Coaches, because even I'm talking to you now, and for next year and for last year, I haven't been coaching. Mm-hmm. But I'm still learning and I will be learning. So that even when, if some people enjoy what having Grow Coach or enjoy the book, and I know a lot of a lot of people. If they if they look at it, it will work for them. Uh, I'd be hoping I'd be pushing ahead somewhere else again. Uh, so I don't. I've no problem in in putting this information out there if it's good for somebody. Mm-hmm. What I found fascinating was Kevin that you know you, you as I said earlier you opened the door for a wee bit of information like um, the four P's whenever you were assessing players. Did, did the players know that you were doing this, or was it subconsciously that that you, you didn't want to tell them? And can you just explain what what uh, the four P's were? 
Um, I know that'll be the players. Players would know that, yeah, of course they would, yeah. It would be because, in fairness, you know, when you look at the characteristics of the four Ps, which is, you know, the the physical. And I think when we're training in the GA in particular, you know, as I said, a great session. Once you have a good physical session, that's a great session. You know, of course you got to get physically fit and physically strong, but it can't be all about that. You know, you've got to have your psychological. You know, your when when, when things aren't going right or not going that well, how can you, how can you reset in game time? You know, do you believe you can actually get out of this hole you're in? So, what's your psychological state on and off the pitch? You know, then you're, and then above all, your personal qualities. You know, it's what type of person are you? What traits do you bring to the team? What behaviors do you bring? And they'll all link down into the, the P. So that when we look at the P's, you can you can break it out. You like ABC. If you're operating in a, a C scenario on the four P's and Maybe you're up and physically you're on A, because performance is the other P, and that that's most important because performance will follow the first three Ps. So you you you're operating on three Cs and you have an A up here in physical. So coach might come in that all he wants is physical, physically. This coach thinks this guy is one of the best players in his team because he's putting everything he has into the gym or on the physical side. And in fairness to him, he's he, he's eating and his habits they, they're all tremendous. He's flying on the pitch. But if your behaviours, your personal qualities aren't great amongst the players and your psychological research is very poor, you start bitching when things aren't going your way and vice versa. And now you, when you break down the performance and we'll say, geez, you missed five tackles there and you know, you're, you've had six fouls in the red zone or, or up front you've missed six very, very easy shots and you're supposed to be a very, very fit forward. Now your three Ps in the three brackets are really bringing down your performance overall. So we've got to look at every area and say, can you, even if you had to fall out of the gym a little bit, because you're really good at that and you have enough built up and you lose 6% there and you go out to a B, try and bring some of the Cs into a B, spend more time on that. So it's just, it's just a way that was what we developed. Um, but the players were very conscious of that because we'd always give feedback in those areas. So then the, then the players had KPIs to work on We'd always have maybe three KPIs to work under the key performance indicators to try and improve them as a player. We continuous feedback on those, and they fall somewhere in those areas. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I was I was imagining you for the first six months in the Galway job doing uh, you know having your spies everywhere and <laughs> and uh, marking these boys down for and then come back with with the 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 results because um, I think it's tremendous that. You know, that's the, the sort of detail that's going in at county level, you know, to get, as you said, if you're a gym bunny and you're just in the gym and you're pumping iron and, and but you're not translating that to the pitch, then there is something fundamentally wrong there. And you as a coach then can identify that. And how would you identify that, Cam? Would it be through talks with the player or, uh, you know, would you do individual coaching with the players? I suppose you're going to, John, you're going to, you know, when you analyze games and, and you get a chance now because of the technology, mm-hmm. you know, when you and you, you you look at videos and stuff, you're going to see a lot of, because it's focused performance. I suppose we can't just look at the physical. We look and see, well, was this guy able to play in front of Mark and Mark's space? Was he able to stop the kicker putting the ball in? Was he, you know, was his handling very poor? Was his distribution very poor? Was his shooting on the opposite side very poor? Was his passing into the forwards very poor? Well, it may have worked very hard because some of us are looking at the GPS and we see the 10 kilometers here. 
covered. Jeez, this guy worked really, really hard. But what's his impact on the team? Mm-hmm. You know, and you look back then and say, Jesus, you know, he gave away six balls here and he could have marked his man from the front here and didn't. He was, you know, concentration levels were low. And again, you know, you talk about the physical side. What was his footwork like? And this may, may not be, this could be, you know, if, if his knees are bent and his balance is wrong, this guy is pumping up iron in the, in, the, in the gym. No problem whatsoever. Are you better off with a 14 stone strong guy who stands up straight and gets bowled over because it's just poor balance? Are you better off with an 11 stone guy who's wiry, legs in the right place, you know, power is there because he's bent his knees properly, all the type of stuff, which are you better off with? So you've got to start looking at that as well, you know? I think it's, I think it's as well with the way you, you categorize the players. Was it the categorizing the players is like you said in the book again? I'm sorry that the, the people won't have to read it if they, if they watch this, Kevin, but it, it just fascinates me, you know, and uh, warriors, waivers, chess players. Uh, gunslingers and seagulls, you know, was that a psychological or is it more performance? How did you, what, what's the def- definition there? I suppose, look at, I suppose, John, look at you can, you can, you can make up whatever names you're, you want to make up yourself you know, for different type of people. But I suppose uh, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, we all fall, we all fall in, 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 in those categories, you know, we're like, I suppose if you, if you break it down in simple terms, we're, we're, we're all, we're, we're in a group. Either you know where we 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 we're highly we may be highly skilled we may be you know top class we we that's kind of a gunslinger time we may feel that when the pressure comes on that you know what you need to grab hold of this yourself which is a good thing mainly you know mainly a gunslinger is a type of an entrepreneur because he backs himself his ideas good ideas some far fetched ideas <laughs> and sometimes you'll find. When a game is a melting pot, that maybe those type of guys who you actually need in your team, maybe they start taking on the whole mantle themselves to go away from the process that you've had, maybe down two or three points, but the game is still there for winning, and they start trying to shoot from all angles, and they start. Sometimes that can happen. So how do you maybe pull back that a little bit to get them into a team more of a team player when the, when the pressure comes on, and then you've got other players, I suppose, who on the opposite side of it, where they 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 they, they they're more organised, you know they. They paint the boots. They they're a train of an hour beforehand. Uh, they do everything perfectly, but they worry a bit then. And so sometimes when the melting pot is there, that that twenty yard kick pass that we're giving now looks like a sixty yard pass, and, and and might decide not to give it in case they make a mistake. So, as a coach, how do you bring that player forward to give him confidence? You know, the the, the, that's the reasoning we, we 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 talk about in the book is is that maybe we can categorize people into some area where you can actually see as a coach say well you know what I need to kind of bring this guy back a little bit here without without killing his thinking because we do need his thought process in the field to work for us but at times maybe overconfident and how do you get the other guy bring up his confidence and trying to bring them to the higher level of chess player or the lower player the gunslinger you're 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 you know you're you're not in a bad place if you get that because you need both you know that you need both and at some point, I mentioned the seagull there. At some point, you know, there's, there's always, or not always, but you could be unfortunate enough there's one or two inside in your pack or your team, but it takes a while to see this because you don't know, but some, sometimes people are just there because they want to be there and it suits them. Um, you know, and I suppose when things are going well, they're quiet and they're everybody's friend and stuff, but when things start running out and we say that, that everything is in their way, 
it's like the, the seagull on the trawler where the fish start to run out. All of a sudden, the loyalty starts running out. They know there's a fish next door and they'd like to say, well, I'm almost finished here, so I'll pop over here. And unfortunately, <laughs> they'll flap their wings, they shout like hell and, and they'll shite all over you. And unfortunately, they leave you to clean it up. So, you know, it's just, it's just that you may be unlucky to have one or two players like that that could kill your culture. And I know you might say, well, look at that county. So it's, it's not necessarily, if you're on club level and you're fighting for, 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 for honours or you're trying to get to a level where your culture has got to be very strong, you've got to, at some point, identify those players, if they're there, and say, well, you know what? These guys are trying to erode everything I'm trying to do here and eroding and maybe talking about their back. Or whatever. You, you, you know, you've got to sometimes just, just keep an eye open. They're not too many, to be honest with you. But just, to, it's just, it's only giving you a feel for, for, for what can be there. and. I suppose at that point it's just hard to change that mentality, um, and and you have to make a decision. It's it's just amazing, you know. How quick can you change a culture in a, in a club team? Do you think, Kevin, or a, or a county team? Um, you know, and what's what are the the non-negotiables whenever you go into a team? Then, look, a cha- change is one word, and it's a very difficult word. Change is difficult, and that's you know, regardless of what it is. As I said early on, you are what you repeat as you. You know, I tell you to, you know, but even, you know, I'm sure you, have, you maybe have your own seat for dinner at home and you sit down at the table. Jesus, if you come home and someone is sitting in it, you know, you don't feel comfortable the next day, so even though you'll, you'll shut your mouth and, and, and bear it, but, you know, you might like to be eating on the wrong side of the table. So, so same for putting on your jacket, right hand first to left hand first. You know, all these little things we take for granted every day, that's the way we do it. So we are, we, we be to do. So for me to come in or you come in, change your habits and behaviors and say overnight, bang, I want you to do this, you know, to be realistic, it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're going to have to chip away and get the help of your, your team to do this as well because, again, what can do this is value at your belief. Can you bring the value up? Can you make that person understand where there's a value up here? If there is, you, you know, it might take a while, but your the attitude will start to change if the value gets high enough. If the value isn't high enough, you're talking to a brick wall for a while. So you're going to find life very difficult, John, for a while, you know, so... I suppose to answer, you know, change is difficult. At no point to say, but geez, I'll go in there and I'll change all that. You won't. You know, it's going to take time. And you'll see in my book as well, I've mentioned year one, year two, year three, year four. I was very clear when I left Sligo. The time, my first year was relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't about, when I went to Sligo, my first year was drive these boys into the ground. Let's get the best out of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's something I've learned. So relationships is really, really important. So it wasn't that we weren't training, but we were actually making relationships. So the quicker you made relationships, the quicker the trust kicked in. Mm-hmm. And as you're making relationships and the trust kicks in, now you can drive your value. Then the actually start to change. Then you make your change. Then belief comes in behind that. So, but that takes time. It takes an awful lot of effort. You know, it takes a huge amount of effort. But you've got to know the path you're going on, and be patient. And also, as I said to you, Leon, this is, this is and this is very difficult. Is, and I would suggest that everybody should do this is surround yourself with somebody who's going to challenge you because he's challenging your methods because it's important some you know we're all in the forest in the, in the team but if you can put somebody outside the, the forest looking in at you as well as the players and challenge you as well as what the players are doing and you're open-minded you'll probably grow as as a person and a coach and is that why you put Paddy Pally obviously Paddy's doing the uh, he's down manager at the minute. Um, you know, you bring in Ulster football into uh, beautiful Galway and changing it to defensive football and poor uh, Paddy. 
getting on the blame for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was it's very interesting, Kevin, whenever it started that it was being lauded as you know great that, that Galway had found found a system that's that's seems to be working for them. And then as time went on, uh the, the pundits and and maybe some of your own fans then supporters sort of wavered and and were saying this isn't the way Galway's meant to be playing football. Yeah, I suppose look at it again, I do you know something, John, I, I would have to take that as a compliment. I did, and I did when I was there because, in fairness, you know, we were in, we were in there where there was talks of, you know, Galway lying down and all that type of stuff and the fancy dance and stuff. And I, I, and I'm serious about this. I took that as a serious compliment because uh, when you break it down, you know, I think it was, geez, we got accused of dark arts and everything, which was, which was great. I mean, there was, there was a guy from Gildare there. I don't know his name is again. I, I, uh, I, I don't even know his name, but he talks a lot. He writes some of these articles and stuff. But he obviously had something there since '98 when things weren't working well, so he decided to. Brandos as the dark arts and stuff. So, you know, I took that as a compliment because we're now we're we're now not taking any prisoners at this stage. Mm. They just stand up for themselves. Mm. And the question I gave you a minute ago, does he have my back? All these Galway guys have their own backs. And you know, when you look at what it was and the whole of division one, we let him one goal. Um and that was seven minutes into injury timing as Monon who we, who were up against eight points. So was, that was a lack of concentration. Mm. So that was against all the best teams in the country. One goal went in there and you know, there was no missing taken. And you had the Mayos who found it very hard to get any more than 13 scores and stuff like that. So there was an awful lot of good work done. So I actually took that as a compliment. In the end, I have to say, and I've said this, it, it, it was starting to go too far. There was a little bit of negativity coming around the camp. We'll say, I felt that, that you know, what the players done, there was going to be a little bit of negativity coming in and, you know, driven, like you said, by a few pundits who had their homework done. And unfortunately, those pundits are never challenged. And, and then the reporters, they need those pundits to come out with whatever rubbish to come out with so that they can write for the week. Then the supporters, our so-called supporters at times, start to look. And in fairness, perception is reality. So if you're, you know, as they say, back in my country, if you fire enough shite at the wall, some of it will stick. So as it's kind of, <laughs> and that's been thrown out. Unfortunately, the perception becomes a reality. And that's why I'd be calling massively for, you know, almost like a, a Neville and Carragher type of thing where people... Can actually analyze the game, what I would see as being properly, not 30 years ago analysis where oh they scored eight, 35, and let in four to that's wrong with your stuff. We can read in the paper ourselves. What's causing that? Why the goal we only let in one goal in the league? Let someone break that down. You know, was it a case that we got six brand new players who were wonderful in the backs, or was it a case that maybe this team is playing a bit better together? Or was it a case that we're just looking over eight games that the boys missed 45 goals each? I don't know. But just that you can break that down and say, what's happening here? And then up front, what's happening here? Okay, these, we've pinned up against two or three sweepers in Division 1 and Tyrone with two sweepers back. How are Galway breaking these boys down? You know, for him, and I'm, I'm just saying goal because it's obviously the wrong team, but every game, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a brilliant world of analysis in there that hasn't gone into. And I think it's time that the public could see some of this on our national airways because I've had a lot of a lot of uh, calls from reporters um, like yourself here as well, the reporters on the national media papers, and like you know, most of them are saying, "So fair play to you, this is brilliant. We can now go and look at a game in maybe a different light." So the reporting was all about who scored what, what scored what, how many forty-five, how many this. Where there's a different world out there if. And again, if that's been brought forward to our airways, 
it puts football in a far better light and it lets the public and the, and, and the people see this game has changed and it is evolving and it ain't going back. And if you want to be a winner, like you can be a winner or an attempted winner or you can play social football. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with social football. I think it's brilliant because some people are just carefree. The value isn't to overly commit to it. It's going to play a game of football. There's no tactics and they love it. And I think that's brilliant. But don't set your standards high or expectations high if you go out and play social football. And even if you're coaching now, or it's not really social, you're putting a hard, big effort in, but the coaching isn't at a high level, at the top level, don't expect them to win. Mm-hmm. Play your social football, enjoy it, have a smile on your face, but stop mentioning the word win, because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> and do you think that that was one of the reasons why you started Grow Coach as well, Kevin, that educate not, co- not only coaches, but coaches then go and tell their family about it, their friends about it. You know, this is what's happening in in GA games now, this is what's, you know, how is the message going to get out there that the tactical game is like monumental, as you say, it's an invisible game, no one sees it. Well, talking to you for a start is great, John, if you can send this podcast worldwide, but uh, yeah, look at to be honest, yeah, it is, look at it definitely would be something that um, I was going to do, you know, I'm over the 50 now, where we go from here, hard to know um, I'm not worrying about it by the way I'm quite happy where I am at the minute um, but there's a, a locker full of stuff I feel it's there that will help some people some people can just discard it that's fine but you know having information there that I think is of value to an evolving game mm-hmm. that can put and again and I've mentioned the challenge me environment I'd love a challenge me environment above in the studio in RTEs in BBCs whatever but there can be a challenge back and say well hold on there's something here like the carry girls know by. So yeah, I would love that. But but Grow Coach is specifically for coaches, if they can take something from it, that they can they, their coaching can make their players impact the game more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a good day's work. And if we can grow our own coaches in our own clubs where people are actually fighting for positions in a club, wouldn't it be wonderful to go back and see that day where you go to an AGM 30 years ago? Hands up, vote, I vote against this fella, that fella. You're almost looking for, 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 for coaches now. And that's difficult, in particular at the senior level. And again, it's gone to a level where I suppose you're going to be, you know, you're putting yourself out there. You're taking a risk on the basis that if you if you win, it's not only the players that win it. If you lose, the manager loses. So, you know, with that environment, you need to be fairly strong for that. But you also need to have your own reason as to why you would do it. And what do you value yourself? And why do you bring such a strong attitude? And what do you believe here? So, because if those three things are weak, you're in for a, you're in for a bit of a nightmare, John. I'm afraid you're in for a nightmare. Can uh, where did the, the the narrative come that that Paddy Tally was in then as defensive coach? Um, here in Ulster, that's all we heard that you know whenever he were winning, uh, Paddy was doing a brilliant job. But when it lost, it was Kevin Walsh doesn't have a clue what he's doing on his on his. He's being negative. What's the reason you? Maybe the reason you heard you heard it in the north because it was the northern fellow that was telling you. <laughs> uh, yeah, look at uh, I, I have a chapter there called Poor Paddy, and I really felt for Paddy at the time because you know Paddy was with St Mary's at the time, and he was after having brilliant time up there with, with them before that. He was still involved, so Paddy really only joined us in the in the end of January. So, uh, and, and you know, a reason I have Poor Paddy in there because Paddy was getting blamed for something he wasn't even there for, and I like so again that this is my point. It was a narrative driven by someone at the top table 
who wasn't challenged. You know, and again, it's not good enough, you know? And unfortunately, that old crap kept going for months upon months upon months. And, you know, it does seep in. And even, and it goes further, it actually seeps into, almost seeps into a referee or two, where they're mm-hmm. saying, oh, geez, we don't like this at all. And, you know, I would question whether one or two things would have gone against. And again, I've said this in the book, uh, I would have felt that a lot of this narrative was being driven heavily, whatever whatever reason, and maybe it was probably because of it, but, um, <laughs> It was coming a, a bit heavy for, and the go, and then the talk of the Galway style and stuff. So, you know, I just felt in the end, uh, with many, many more um, pros and cons I went through, that you know, it, it probably wasn't the right environment maybe for the players to be in if that's crap was still going on. You know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the big thing that I noticed with, with the Galway set was the amount of experts that you had working with you, and you know, how important is that for you to to get we snippets from everybody and then to make your own conclusion. Massive. You know, I, I'm absolutely massive. And again, I've mentioned about the challenge me environment. Like, I think I was very, very lucky with, this, with, the, with the caliber of people I, I, I got with me. And you know, there's a little bit of luck on that. Um, there's a lot of luck on that. Sometimes when I went to Sligo, I was very lucky as well because, you know, Paul Durkin, Desi Sline, Paul Taylor, because they were three footballers. And I suppose, you know, I didn't actually know them personally, but I would have played against them for quite a while and they'd been involved in coaching. So that's what we ended up with and went for. And I was very, very lucky that there were three absolute gentlemen as well and had slight good heart. So, you know, you have to be lucky as well. So sometimes it could be 18 months into a thing and say, Jesus, it's like, you know, her, yourself and the wife might have a row, a row and it, 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 it all works out again. But that's, that's, that's challenged me. But at some point, if it's, if it's you know 18 months on and it's, just, it's a constant kind of something going on here that's not good, that seeps down through team and player. And thanks to God in my five years in both places, that hasn't happened to me. But I know that is capable of happening. It is because sometimes you have personality clashes over time. So I was very, very lucky in that. But definitely with the with the you know the stuff I think I've learned, uh, I wouldn't learn that in 10 years in college, to be honest, because I was living through it and all my hours were living through it. And I was every day, you know. Um, in the middle of everything, whether you're dealing with problems or dealing with people or, you know, are taking advice or being challenged, you know, and that's at a big scale when you're in particular, you're in division one football and division two football and kind of championship, you're out there for to be chopped at. But that's brilliant because I had all the backroom team who would, would, be, would be, you know, highly educated in player behaviours, at the medical staff, so you, you, you learn an awful lot by living through it without having any letters after your name, but, you know, ex- experiences. My daughter said to me one time, she said, Dad, you're, you're, you're not old because you're grey. That just means you're, you're experienced. So I, that's the way I, I walked away from Galway. I feel I'm experienced. And I'm grey. <laughs> <laughs> also fascinating part of the Galway story was the, uh, the Maroon book. Um, who came up with that? And, and you know, what, what exactly did it... In, entail you've gone through we've actually gone through a lot of it to be honest uh then you know the the peas and the behaviors and i suppose our did every player get a or get them or, Kevin and, and you know that's that was our standard then uh, that would be yeah it'd be standard and again look we've, we've heard about these books before in dublin and that kind of stuff and i know things got slated before for a book and again i don't want to make a big deal about the book because it's not i think it's how you live it more than what you read it, you know, but I suppose it wasn't a big book, it was very, very small. It was just, it's just something that someone could open up and say, Jesus, you know, what, what's involved in four piece? You know, what's, 
what characteristics are in there so they could, it could help themselves. This wasn't a, a push on job and say, look, you have to do this because I've done before. It was just something, but probably took 18 months to put it together, I'll be honest with you. You know, um, again, you know, the, the great one of the Jerry Hussey, the Joe Gorham, the Paul Hartley, there was loads of people in the back home team, you know, but like we would meet every Tuesday, it could be half past four and before train and half seven. We'd always have a challenge being environment, everything, you know, every Tuesday with, with wherever we had our say. And it was a challenge being environment, what worked or didn't work or what they felt could be better or what they felt. So that was always open, you know, but that would have bled into what we put together. And it's really what I'm talking to you about here. You know, it's, it's no big, it's, it's no big deal, but it's, 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 there's a lot in it in a few pages, if you know what I mean. Can you see as, as a manager, you like to be challenged and, and, you know, as a player then, did you challenge the managers um, that you played under and, you know, it seems a strange relationship that you had with, with John O'Mahony. I, I just, you know, you seem to have a, a utmost respect for him, but did you just have a close relationship um, more than a, than a like, uh, could you confide in him? Could you uh, give him, a, um, you know, as you said, leadership groups and that there, could you go to him and say, look, this isn't working, that isn't working? Yeah, totally. John, John, John would, uh, I'd have gone on very early, John, I think all the players did, to be honest with you. You know, as what John was expected, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't going around talking a half an hour to you about about rubbish and stuff. It was business, but at the same time, it was because, uh, in fairness, you're dealing with 30, 40 players. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, the feedback wouldn't have been there like 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 it is now. I suppose the technology wasn't there. Your WhatsApp's gone off, wasn't there? So it wasn't possible to be doing exactly what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, John was very open like that. Again, like you said to me, I'm like a, a manager that loves to be challenged. I do in the long run, but nobody likes to be challenged. You, know, you, you grin your teeth and you bear it. I'd actually, you know, the times I'll challenge them. I, I wouldn't like it. But you know what? Two days later, I'd be still putting that challenge in my head and saying, geez, maybe some of that, I didn't like that, but maybe some of it was, 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 was correct. And then I'd start looking. That's the way I would find my learning side of it. Um, and again, I think John was, 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 was similar, look back on it, because John didn't like the challenge either, you know? But I, but I, I do know there's certain things that he would take on board if he came back and, and said it to him. But again, like, um, no, but no, Jono was a wonderful man, still is a wonderful man. And I, I obviously owe a lot to Jono. Um, I would have learned a lot from him. You know, um, again, I suppose your earlier question, that time there wasn't in my head, oh, I'll be a goal manager. It wasn't there. I was just doing, playing my own my own job and trying to, I could most of the time stop, get, try and stop to get injuries and then trying to heal them the other half. So, so. <laughs> I haven't time to think that way. The uh, the thing with you know from the book and that there and, and you know the, the other podcasts you've done and shows that you've done, you know, ex players say that you know you talk them through games. You were very communicating through the, all the games that you, you played with midfield partners as well. Did that help with concentration? Because concentration seems to be a big part of of any sport now, Kevin. That you know even that you're saying there's seventy nine minutes without touching the ball. You know, did that help you then, the constant talking and, and conjoling? Yeah, definitely. Look, I'd, I'd be a talker on the field. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd feel I'd, I would have a high level of concentration. Um, didn't mean I always worked, but I would have, I'd, you know, I'd be always, you're always looking for the, the exchange there. Um, but I would have talked a lot. I wouldn't have talked a lot on the dressing room. I wouldn't have talked a lot. You know, but but on the pitch, I would I would, I would do a lot of talking. Uh, look, maybe you'd be seeing things, uh, but communication is massively important. And I think that's something that 
we're seriously deficient in in the minute in most teams. And I would say to all club coaches, you know, that that's the same all over the country. Um, the I suppose we're you know we're the coaches are probably that much older than the players. Well, a lot of coaches, and it's not the same as it was when we were younger. Sorry. Think for yourself. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, if, if you were 34, Johnny, I'm just, you're, you're coaching 14-year-olds. You're still 20 years older. <laughs> 39. 39, okay. So you're 25. Um, so I suppose we're, we have to be mindful we're coming from different environments, um, you know, because of the evolving of stuff all the time. Like life, life is evolving all the time. But communication, and I, it's probably one of the things I feel myself that's lacking in an awful lot of young players now, even senior players. And I think that's just the bringing up, I suppose, in the... the what do you call those little machines that I was playing on those little playstations and it, it definitely has a massive effect so because but I know there's times when I mean, you'll be saying communicate but the communication is not there towards there in our time it definitely isn't now whether players are seeing what they need to communicate maybe that's it that's it too but the communication isn't as strong but it would have been very strong in, 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 our, in our team we say that in the, in our good days no it's, it's like you know you start a formal team in in um in the the ninety ninety eight and two thousand and one, um, very similar to down that way. That you know, you want a minor then in ninety one ninety four down one theirs. It seems you you reference down an awful lot in the in the book for for you know uh, not um, being in direct competition with them. You know, in the sixties, Galway and down with the with the dominant teams, and then you know you just actually played down in the um, semi final. Was it nineteen eighty six? Minors semi-final. Yeah, yeah, 80, 86, Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously, down one at the, the the following year then as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, the convening years then for for you as a player, Kevin, um, from '98, it just seemed that whenever you were talking about the experience, that it was relief more than more than anything that you know that you got over the line. You know, it didn't seem to be that you were bouncing up whenever you won and hugging players and jumping on the stands and everything like that. Like, how did that, how, what was the feeling like? And you know, was it just, that's it, we've done it? Yeah, I suppose, look at that. in a way, I suppose that's my personality as well. You know, I wouldn't be jumping around too much at that. But at the same time, you know, I suppose compared to a lot of the other players, I was I was probably out there a bit longer. Myself, Thomas Mannion, you know, that that's probably... The, the two longest players at the time and if you want to look back in the history before 98 to back at 87 when we started playing senior it wasn't good and and I think we had only won one one kind of title in 1995 and you know so we probably had so many poor days so many injuries so many this and that that you know at that point you know losing was getting very very difficult and I've referenced you, you really hate losing more than you'd like to win if you know what I mean so that was almost a driving factor. So, um, and you're right. You know, there, there was a massive relief, to be honest, because those time was running out. Um, like I said about the miners, you know, we'd been minor in 1986. This is 12 years later, and I suppose that's why I've referenced in the book as well. The expectation being put on teams because they win a minor mm. is crazy because they could have been very lucky in, in All Ireland minor semi-final. Could have been very lucky. Got a lucky goal. Got a bounce of a ball. Got a few referee decisions doesn't mean, you know, sometimes you get more players from a team that might lose a final than win a final. So it's about collective when you get to senior. So, you know, we had been talked about, <clears throat> our 86th Meyer team was 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 
was actually regarded as a very good minor team. And it took us, you know, so long to come through and even 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 win a Connacht. And uh, so I suppose I've learned that lesson. So relief kicked in there. But you know, I suppose the younger guys wouldn't have had those eleven years of torture and away if you want to call it that. <laughs> and then two thousand one, it was, um, you know, you got injured and you came back, and then you didn't start the 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 re- or the the first match, and then you started the replay. You got injured and then come back on the field. So mm. you were doing a, doing a Peter Canavan then. You'd done Peter Canavan before it was it was the, the done thing. Yeah, yeah. I suppose we look at that and what happened there was, I suppose, just done damage my knee, kneecap, and uh, didn't know the extent of it, I suppose. And, uh, you know, you're, you're just a drilling this flying. You, you, you want to get back in and I got an injection at half time just to see if I little did we know, I suppose, a chunk of the kneecap had come off, but we got it back in and done it. But I suppose, you know, that was probably a, that was definitely a bad month because got that bad injury, lost the replay, should have won the first game and played my first and only club county championship final in the 5th of November, um, which was my birthday as well, on the 31st birthday. So, and we lost that. I could, I could do a step and full forward and pretend to be a threat, you know, and put my knee operator on after that was over. But, you know, there was two games last last there and and, and, and a bad injury. So I suppose come back in was was the adrenaline and I had been going well. So I suppose and to be fair, you know, looking back on it, I'd probably justify come back in, except for the injury was going to be made worse, I suppose. So mm-hmm. justified the half hour I came in for, but probably didn't justify what was to come because either way, you probably were going to have an operation on it anyway. But it's just it's just the way it happened, I suppose. You'll do anything you can to win to win a final. It's it's amazing that you wouldn't change it because you know, you list the injuries in the in the book as well, and you know we should have our own chapter for for, for the. <laughs> you must have pulled every muscle and, and nearly broke every bone. Yeah, and look at it. You know that's and and, and to be honest, that, that's very frustrating. Um, I would have you know I remember doing an article years years ago, and I was highly frustrated because you know I had first first had a grind problems and um, you could play one game, miss three, play one, miss three, and. Three, you're missing. You're going to matches, watching the guys playing, and you know you weren't carrying a limp and you weren't carrying a cast. So everybody was doubting what you're at, and you know you heard all this stuff going around, and it was highly frustrating, to be honest with you. Um, that was probably the, the probably the the, the the worst of it. You know, I had, I mean, I remember doing an article, I think, in the early '90s, and they just said, "I wish I had a broken leg where a, a cast could be visible, so people <laughs> stop talking." You know, and, um, but look, I just was well, that's the cards I dealt with, and and. You know, and it's 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 funny how people think, you know, from '98 on to 2003, where they got five, five kind of good years. That you know it was great. All the injuries went away. That they didn't. I I had serious injuries in all the, in all those years as well. Just that you know probably rested and recovered better. I got maybe got in for the most important matches when it, where where I healed up. So, you know, it was it was it was a it was a fair bit of a of, of an injury time. But I look, I have to be thankful for what I achieved. You look back on, they always come back. You know, the, the highs of training, you're flying a train, then the breakdown, injured to come back. Mm. How I know you said that like, you didn't use sports psychologists or anything like that, but who did you talk to? How did you get your head around, you know, coming back all the time? To be honest, I, I suppose just, just love sport, you know, um, just love, 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 love playing sport. And it wasn't the psychologist getting us back in the sports. Maybe there was an element there where. You know, I mentioned earlier on with the four Ps, maybe the psychological reset was, was quite strong. Um, 
we look back on it now, I didn't know what that was, but obviously that, that, that was there. Um, I suppose, and, and, and I suppose, and you enjoy it. You enjoyed it because, now, and to be fair, I would say, you know, in, in when John O'Malley came in, definitely at that point, uh, I suppose, you know, I, I probably my mind made up that I was, I was out of there at county football, to be honest, you know. Um, it was after just after getting married, just, you know, um, I suppose married life was taken over as well. But at the same time, that wasn't the, the, the reason. There's so many, I suppose, bad, hard luck stories or injuries. You know, why, why bother much more when you're 27, 28? So that was certainly, but then John obviously came in with his own manager's style and we had our, 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 our chat on the phone and uh, we met up and um, when the conversation was over, we said we'd give it a go and, and thanks for God we did. No, uh, do you think it's definitely shaped you that, that you know, the, the, the injuries, the, you know, the understanding that, that John had with you that you wouldn't make the same mistakes with other players then whenever... You know, you are you are the manager. Oh, totally. I mean, like it's it's like his preparation was second to none at the time. So when you watch even the way he prepared, but again, you're going to you know, that's the way it should be. That's the way it. As in, when you've got somebody like that, you're going to learn a massive amount of. Has that evolved since his time? Absolutely, it's gone to another level. But still, you're back to, you know, you're back on it. The four Ps were there in John's time. He's like he was mad for personal qualities. When you break down what that is now. He was mad for that. He was, he was, you know, he was mad for preparation. So there's a lot of the qualities that are in there in what he was doing. You know, the performance was coming because of that. Would that performance be good enough now? Probably not. Because the coaching has moved on. The tactics have moved on. But we've got to move with it. So that, you know, that probably wouldn't have been good enough. But it was good enough in, in, in its time. So what we're doing today won't be good enough in five years' time. Because yeah. that's the way it evolves, you know. And what, where do you see Gaelic football going, Kevin? With you know, is it going to be a case of teams manipulating the mark more? Um, is officiating going to change? Is will there be any more rule changes? Do you think? And and you know, um, if if you had a blank canvas for a five-year plan, what would you do? Um, I would completely change the officiating. Um. You know, I think we have, we have a very complex game. When you look at rules, people say, well, look at rugby, how come this guy isn't saying a word back to the ref, he gives me a yellow card. He knows he's done wrong because <clears throat> there's only a few rules. And, you know, there's 15 v 15, there's nothing off the ball. It's right in front of the referee. So, you know, it's, it's not that it's a gentleman game played by, or a thugs game played by gentlemen or whatever it is. Like it's, but you look at, at Gaelic, 15 players all around a massive pitch behind your back in front of you. And you tell one guy to watch to watch that, and then we have these geniuses with a rules committee. Where oh, let's put in the mark here. Let's put this in. We're not even refereeing the rules we have. So, where, you know, what do we do? Just, just, and then you went and went back to analysis. The perception of the analysis is is all done without fact. The facts aren't there. So. All of this reporting on a Sunday night is affecting the Rules Games Committee because the reports are writing about it. When I played basketball going back years ago, you had two referees in a small court. You now have three. Three with three whistles. You haven't got one guy and say, no, Sonny, you stay quiet there. I'll go the whistle. You tell me. They referee by what they see. We in the GA have two inter-county referees standing on a line holding a flag and wave a left and right. 
because it's the guy's man, it's the guy in the middle. That's his day out. Leave it to him. I'll have mine next week. That's not good enough for a team. Preparations isn't there. How can you see? And then you get, again, you'll see analysis where fair play to the referee, he saw four off the ball incidents. He shouldn't even be allowed to see them because he's missed 148 more. <laughs> get your referee to follow the ball. Get your two linesmen to mark off the ball. Mm-hmm. And get them three whistles. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do that, you know, that's what fairness is, 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 is in it. Because how can somebody... So if you want to implement all the rules, so it's, you know, what's a tackling in Gaelic football? One referee says there was three around and they fouled him. Another referee says there was three around the guy overcarried the ball. Mm-hmm. What's, you know, and you go back to this promotion, oh yeah, he was right. Who said he was right? So, you know, we've got to find a way of refereeing the rules we have mm-hmm. in a consistent basis. And putting if people, give them jobs. Can't be just stand, stand, stand them by. You know, and it's a stuff off the ball. It's off the ball. Deal with it. Or whatever. You know, for me, that's the biggest thing. You ask me, where's it going to? I hope we start looking at that. I hope we stop having meetings about what rules are going to change until we get the other rules sorted out. And if the rules are remarkable, take them out of there. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean we have to add one. Just take one or two out. So for me, again, that's been driven by the top table, which is never challenged. And, you know, that's if you would ask me, what's the one thing? That's the one thing. I would like to see is a consistency in refereeing mm-hmm. and give them a hand. It's not an easy job. It's a very, very difficult job. And, you know, it's, it's important that the that, that teams who put all this work in, you can't have saying, well, you know, one guy picks four instances off the ball or they weren't even there at all. And they st- get clap, his, clap him on the back and say, oh, it wasn't that a wonderful sight where he missed the other side. So change of momentum wins games. So if three or four of those little frees are given one side and not the other, that's the difference of winning and losing. Into into even teams, so get the rules mark or uh, uh, um, managed right mm-hmm. and refereed right, then start talking about your rule changes. That's my. No, right, Jerry. Yeah. No, I can see. I see the understand there. Cal, uh, just thanks for your time. I've got two questions left. Just two. <clears throat> First one is um, about Grow Coach. Um, fantastic site, fantastic resource for for coaches and um, anyone who's listening. Please jump on and see it's growcoach.ie um, there's videos, there's, there's uh, webinars and all that there attached to it what is Grow Coach mission statement Kevin, what is it that you're striving for with, with this new um, coaches resource 79.1 <laughs> you know start looking at the game in a different direction uh, and, grow, and grow your own coaches get people out there, we need people getting get coaching we, all, you know, we just need to get, maybe to look at the game in a different light Look at you know how can you you know give people maybe skills that might be that might be forgotten about. Take for instance, I like give you you know take take the Munster final last year. You know the last second in in, in a game where Kerry the game won. I think it was Tommy Welch found himself back in, in in the square. You know where the ball is in the air for five seconds. You know how much can you do in the five seconds? You can do a whole lot, or do you just look and wait for the ball to come down? Can I just say some Kevin whenever yeah Tommy Welch whenever that cork and. You know, you describe it about your hips and, you know, feel it. I can't remember what the saying is that you, that you use, but that's exactly what I was thinking whenever, you know, I was, I was reading it. Find, find, feel, fetch. Yeah. Where's your marker? Find them with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Make a physical contact. And you may not need to fetch, depending mm-hmm. on the situation. Uh, but you certainly need to do the first two. So he tries to do the last one without doing the first two. Mm-hmm. 
and you know that's the difference in a kind of in a, in a monster champion and, and and not on a particular year. And I'm not blaming him for that. No, There's been all the little wins and 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 and, and gains right through the match on both sides anyway. Mm-hmm. That just picked on because of the last play. But can you coach your players how to manage the situation better? You know, and that's only one. Mm-hmm. So the grow coach thing is is really to look at the hidden skills, the invisible game that can put your team on on our, our players in a, in a different sphere. So it's a, the, the book's fantastic, and, and as I say, this is badly needed for, <clears throat> for for Jay coaching as well to bring it up to the to the next level. It's it's okay. Do your courses, do your do your level ones and twos, but um, you know this this is just uh, take your coaching to, to another level. And as you say, it's it's coaching what what you don't see and so what's so important in, in the games. And um, the last question, Kevin, then is just you know your legacy. Is it important to you? And and you know, I know you, you've you've still many years left in coaching and managing. And you know, what's the next step then for for yourself and you know the level that you want to come in at? I suppose you know this this year has been my first year. I suppose since being a player at thirteen years of age and senior level right the way through to to last year, which is almost forty years of something. So. No, I'm really enjoying my time out, to be honest, John. I, I really am enjoying it out. Um, I'm not roaring to back at the minute. Um, but then again, I've been doing crow coaching. I've been in the book, so I've been really, really busy on that side of it. So I, it's not that I'm sitting at home doing nothing. Um, but you talk about a legacy, I suppose. I, I, it, is, it is important to me that, as I say, whatever you pick the jersey up, that you can bring it on another bit. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it in a good place the next guy. That's really important for me. Um, I would work really hard to... Uh, to, to, to avoid the other thing happening. You know, I don't like, I wouldn't like to be having a jersey here, leaving the worst place. Sometimes that may not be, you know, possible either because if it's such an influx of players, it might just, you might, you might have, have players that aren't just good enough to do what you want. But when you have the same type of players and stuff and you can bring this on a bit for the next guy, that's really important for me, to be fair. Um, but as regards the managing and, and coaching the minute, I, lo- I love coaching anyway, where I could pop in, pop out and, Feel there's a fair bit in the locker now on that side of it, so I would have to be looking at, you know, what I do tomorrow night. There's a fair bit in there, I feel. Um, but at the minute, I'm, I'm not looking to go managing teams. At the minute, and when I look at the minute, like you know what happened in Dublin and Monaghan, and it's a really difficult time for for um, anybody to trying to manage a team, you know, because you're trying to keep up with everybody else. And are you doing the right thing or the wrong thing? How do I communicate to players? I don't have them in front of me. How do I coach? It's very very difficult. And, if I was ever to pick a time to go, I think I picked the right time because that's, it's been. It's I can only imagine what it's like. It's, it's very very difficult. And um, but no, look, at, we'll see. Um, I just I suppose I love coaching, and and um, I will be coaching somewhere. Uh, at what level? I'm not so sure. But the minute I'm not sure, I'm jumping. You know. No, oh, Kevin, it's, it's been a rather fresher talking to you. Um, you know, we've we've been talking before and on for about an hour. I didn't even realise it was an hour that we were talking um, the other day. But you know, even even talking, to you, you can see your enthusiasm. You know, to coach properly, to coach, um, to get that information out there is is fantastic and, and fair play to you for for the book and for for the new venture as well. So, best of luck, Kevin, and, and you know, just thanks so much for your for your time and um, you know, best of luck with with with, with the, the new venture. Pleasure, John, and again, thanks very much for your time yourself. And it's always nice to see a happy face on the other side of the picture, the other side of the, of the television. So it's easier to talk with you, a smiley man. So, fair play. Cheers, Kevin. Talk soon. Thanks, John.